today on Family Talk. Welcome everyone to another edition of Family Talk with your host, psychologist and best-selling author, Dr. James Dobson. I'm Roger Marsh, and today I'm excited to bring you the conclusion of an interview I conducted with Dr. Dobson last year. Now in today's installment, we'll get to know more about who Dr. James Dobson is personally, his likes, his dislikes. We'll also get a chance to hear other opportunities he's had outside of radio. There's a lot to cover in this broadcast, so here now is the conclusion of this episode we've titled, Dr. Dobson, The Untold Stories, right here on Family Talk. Dr. Dobson, you've written 30 books. You are a prolific author and a voracious reader. But I wonder, do you have one of your books that is a favorite of yours, and which one is it? That's a really hard question to answer, and I've been asked that question many times, and frankly, I've usually refused uh, to answer because it depends on who needs the book. Mm. Uh, you know, if you're raising toddlers or you're raising daughters, uh, that, those are the books that you need, or any number of others when God doesn't make sense for those who've lost a spouse or have lost a child. Uh, when I was at Children's Hospital, uh, you know, I struggled with uh, these babies that suffer and die, and they never know even why they are in such pain. Uh, that's that's very hard. That's very difficult uh, to answer. And finally, I came to the point where I said, uh, Lord, if you wanted me to answer this question, you'd have given me more information. <laughs> I, I can't explain it. Uh, but someday I will, and I trust you. And in the meantime, uh, I take one step at a time, and you promised you would be a light into my path. So uh, it depends on really what the need is. But speaking personally, uh, if I had to select one and was forced to do it, it would be love must be tough hmm. because so many families are falling apart. And that book has saved marriages, thousands of them. I hear from them. I know it. And uh, there are techniques for how to pull a wayward spouse back into a relationship um, when counseling won't work because counseling requires two. Yes. Two people have to uh, be engaged with a counselor, and there has to be a desire to save it. Many times when marriages are falling apart, one wants out, is looking for a way to escape and feels trapped and does not even want to go for counseling. That is very typical when the person has already made up their mind. I want to tell you something else. Usually when that's the case, there is another lover somewhere. Mm -hmm. When they don't want to talk about it, when they begin blaming you and saying, you know, it's not my fault. Conflict in marriage usually requires two people. Um, but when it's all blamed on one and the, the one that it's blamed on is doing everything he can or she can to hold it together. Uh, this book is written for that situation. Dr. Dobson, I know you're a big movie buff. And we'll put you on the spot here now as we're turning the tables and ask you what your favorite movie is. Do you have I mean, first favorite style? Is there a favorite all-time movie if you had to pick just one? Action movies do not attract me at all. 
I'm most interested in character development, yes. uh, movies where there is uh, a story of drama of people, uh, and I like uh, the history, things related. Well, maybe my favorite is Anne of a Thousand Days. Mm-hmm. It was done about 25 years ago, I guess. Richard Burton uh, playing Henry VIII. Uh, that's, a, that's a powerful movie. Uh, I'm most likely to like movies that uh, pull you into some uh, true aspect of history. And I don't like movies with profanity. I don't like God's name used in vain. When I get in that situation, I may walk out, I may leave, because God is holy and he is not to be mocked. He is not mocked to use Jesus' name in vain. I'm telling you, I just think that we've been subjected to creative products that have damaged this country and especially children. So I don't like that. I don't like murder. I don't enjoy seeing that kind of criminal activity. Uh, but I think I've come as close as I can yeah. get to what I do like. Yeah. But you mentioned something about the historical movies and you know yeah. the periods that they come out from. Talk about well, those, how they influence Well, you. Shirley and I love uh, 1930 movies, 1940. Sure. We really enjoy the classics, the old classics, uh, going way, way back, the old Hollywood movies. Some of them are absolutely phenomenal. Probably if we were going to watch a movie tonight, it would be something from Turner Classic right. Movies. With the big dance numbers. And yeah, oh, yeah. Things, yeah. I love Fred Astaire. Sure. And say, people are going to say, man, that's Father Time speaking. <laughs> I don't know. I bet I'm not the only one. Oh, I'm sure you're in good company. <laughs> okay. You gave us a little bit of a glimpse here. You said if you and Shirley were going to watch a movie tonight. What do you guys like to do for fun besides watching movies? How do you keep the spark alive after 56 years of marriage? Uh, you know, it's there. A spark never left. This will really sound strange to some people, but uh, if I have a weekend uh, to spend in some way, uh, what I would most enjoy doing is spending it with Shirley, the two of us in a house. We will probably cook together, mm-hmm. and as Shirley and I will be doing our own thing, but in the house together, uh, just being with her. Isn't that amazing? I still enjoy her company. Mm. I still find her interesting. I still like to talk to her and to hear her talk to me. Uh, Just the pleasure of being with this woman that God gave me. Well, Dr. Dobson, you and Shirley met in college during your undergraduate studies. Obviously, there was some graduate work that went along with it. How did you, I mean, I'm glad you chose USC, but how did you come (laughs) to, to, to choose that path? Uh, That is an interesting uh, story, at least it's interesting to me, because I applied and was accepted. And uh, I remember the very first night that I went to USC to register, and uh, there were 15,000 students lined up to register that night. And on the way over there, I had prayed, and I said, Lord, I really don't know what I'm going to experience here. I don't know if my faith is going to be honored and I, I really don't know what is coming here, but I ask you to be with me. I just ask you to bless me because I think I'm doing this 
uh, because you want me to. And so I got over there, found a parking space, and uh, I went on the main campus there. And here were 15,000 students lined up, and I'm at the end of the line. You're right. And I'm standing there wondering if it'll be 4 o'clock in the morning <laughs> by the time I get a chance to register. And there was a uh, man there named Ken Hopkins who I had known in undergraduate school. He was a brilliant guy still is, and he had gone on and gotten his Ph.D., and by that point, he was a professor at USC in my field, and he sees me over there. And out of he, tens of thousands of people. Uh, yeah. Uh, how he found me, I don't know, but he walked over and, and put his arm around me and said, I'm so glad you're here, and uh, listen, you don't need to stand in this line. Come with me. And he took me up to his office in one of the buildings, and he said, I want you to know something. I believe in you, and I am going to walk you through this process. Wow. Not just registering, but the whole academic program, the Ph.D. And uh, I'll tell you the courses to take. I'll tell you the professors that you should seek to, to be in their well, classes, and I will be your advisor for your thesis and your dissertation, and I'll walk you through this whole thing. Incredible. I mean, you talk about a gift from the Lord. He's in my my faith uh, community. He knows everything about uh, my understanding of Scripture and what I believe. And here the Lord put that man right in that key spot and moment. And I just was praising the Lord. We don't really think that much about I mean, uh, to be Mm -hmm. Kind, Dr. Dobson, I think of you as a mentor for so many people. You have you have that legacy of faith for so many people. I've never once thought, I wonder who his mentor is. And and uh, th this is a huge uh, mentoring Ken Hopkins for you. was one of them. Uh, Dr. Ken Hopkins. Uh, I haven't seen him in some time, but I love him. Uh, he he just made an unbelievable contribution uh, to my life. And, uh, you know, I had to have a certain number of units to get a Ph.D. There was all kinds of other requirements. It took me seven years to do it uh, because two of the years were teaching school. Uh, in child development, you have mm -hmm. to teach school, public schools, for two years because you learn how children think and act and how to influence them. So you were, you were a teacher in the classroom? I was. I was a public school teacher for two years at the elementary school. What grades? Uh, sixth grade. Okay. Then I went on into um, junior high. I had 230 junior high students every day. Oh, my. I taught science and math. And then I was a counselor in high school. So I had a number of years of public school duty. Then when I finished my degree, I immediately left public schools and uh, and joined the faculty of USC School of Medicine and the attending staff of Children's Hospital because my field was child development, my minor was research design, and I was in a research role there in an academic uh, setting, and I loved it. I loved academia, and I could have spent the rest of my life there, what, Roger. What made you change? There had to be something that that pivoted that. Well, uh, right along that same time, I began noticing that the American family was falling apart. This is the late 60s. Late 60s and then uh, early 70s. And uh, I was observing that 
parents uh, didn't know or had forgotten uh, why they need to lead their children and raise them uh, in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And so at the time that I was in academia doing research and loving that, I was a director of a study that was being done in 15 major medical centers around the country, and I had to visit all 15 of those uh, centers uh, twice a year uh, to see that the research was going right. I, I loved all that. I could have spent the rest of my life doing that. I can tell. But but my concern was for what was happening to the family. And I did the scariest thing I've ever done. I resigned from that plum of a position. Mm -hmm. It really was. Yeah. And if the Lord had had me remain uh, on an academic campus uh, for the rest of my life, I'd have been happy doing it. Um, but I felt a higher calling. And so... I went in to see the chief pediatrician of uh, USC. Uh, his name was uh, Dr. Donnell, and I went into him and I said, I would like a leave of absence to make sure I'm doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. His answer in a nutshell was that the position you're in, uh, I could fill with a pediatrician. Uh, I have somebody in mind that I could put in there for one year but you're going to have to promise me that you will come back mm -hmm. because I won't hold your job, mm -hmm. your position, if you're not going to come back. And I said, Dr. Donnell, I promise you I will come back. That was 1976. <laughs> and uh, so I, I was out there uh, writing books for families. Uh, Dare to Discipline had come out. It sold a million copies. Um, and I was enjoying what I was doing, and I started Focus on the Family. And I started on 34 stations once a week. And within several years, I was heard on 400 stations, and it was just going through the roof. And so I went back to talk to Dr. Donnell. This was after one year. As you promised you would. And I, and I went in to see him. And I had been praying, Lord, I don't know what to tell this man. I promised him I'd come back, and I will have to if he wants me to. But I would uh, really like to continue this work in a, in a Christian uh, frame of reference, focus on the family. Mm -hmm. So I walked in, and he stood. And before he asked me to sit down, he said, listen, I know you've got something to say to me, but I want to say something to you first. I know I told you you had to come back and that I was going to put somebody in your position, but I've heard what's happened to you, and I've heard the things that you're doing, and I think it would be unfair of me to demand that you come back. So I tell you what, you can remain as a professor, an associate clinical professor of pediatrics, and have all of your titles and everything that you have done can continue. And when we need you, we'll call you. But you go do what you feel called to do. Wow. And I cried on the way home because the Lord had spoken again. And uh, so I, w I continued in the medical school until um, 1983. 
Well, Dr. Dobson, it sounds like you were taking a huge leap of faith here. You had written a book on mental retardation prior to Dare to Discipline. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody thinks my first book was Dare to Discipline. It was actually a graduate textbook for medical students on what's now called mental disabilities. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was mental retardation in those days. And the title of the book was The Mentally Retarded Child and His Family. Mm. And I co-wrote it with Dr. Richard Koch, who is a world-renowned pediatrician. And uh, we did that book together. And uh, it was very successful in an academic way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't the kind of thing that you write for parents. Sure. Dozens of people read it, I'm sure, um, you know, compared to the millions then that would follow with uh, uh, Dare to Discipline. Dr. James Dobson was doing the splits because <laughs> I was still working in the university. I was still doing research on this disorder called phenylketonuria. Some parents out there are going to recognize it. If you've had a child in the last 25 years, um, at the hospital on the third day, they have pricked the heel of your child Mm -hmm. and taken a drop of blood. They're looking for a disorder called phenylketonuria. And it's an enzyme problem that causes mental retardation if it is not identified early and treated. And I was working on um, a process. I wasn't the only one. There were 150 doctors doing this uh, to um, prevent the retardation that occurs from not having that enzyme. And so they have to be on a special diet that prevents the retardation. Mm -hmm. Uh, So all of that was going on. And then over here... I'm on television and doing uh, writing and speaking. I was getting hundreds and hundreds of speaking requests. What was that like for you? I mean, you, you talk about the, the, the musty libraries and the research and everything, and now it's bright lights and camera and people are getting your opinion. What, did something click on for you at that point? Uh, it, it was overwhelming to me because I had both these worlds going and I'm interested in both of them, but the literature in each field is different. And it's almost impossible to keep up with uh, both aspects of what had come to me. And so we had to do some praying to talk about what do we do next. And uh, in 1976 is when I got permission from the university to take a leave of absence, and I've never looked back. Shirley support at this time? The whole way. Yeah. She's been right there with me and for me. The only thing she asked when I left the university is she had gotten used to eating two or three times a day. And she said to me, uh, are you sure that we can make it doing this? Um, But my books were selling, and so, I mean, the Lord went with me and opened a little two-room office, called it Focus on the Family, and uh, the rest is really history. Who surprised you the most when you were getting into the media world? You know, you're doing television interviews, radio interviews. I think of the big names who would look at someone like you and say, we've never heard of this guy. This book is selling like crazy. Was there an interviewer or a reporter that surprised you in terms of the way that they seemed to get what you were doing, what you were on to? You know, I am uncomfortable uh, being really honest with you about what happened, but my world exploded. Sure, uh, I was in a 
prestigious position at a big medical school doing research and writing books, and the whole world opened up to me. It really did. And uh, the television that I was doing, I was on a dinosaur show. I don't know if you Which remember that. was a big that. deal in the 70s. That was, oh, yeah, that was I a big that program. Yeah. And, and I was asked to be a regular on her show. And uh, things went upward from there. All this time I'm now doing focus on the family, but there is this secular television and writing and the other things. Uh, let me tell you one story that uh, I have not shared uh, often. Larry King was in his heyday. It was about 1983 by this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he invited me to come and be a guest on his show. And as a result of that experience, uh, the uh, president of the Mutual Broadcasting Company mm-hmm. called me and asked me a question. He had heard me on Larry King and he said, I would like to make you another Larry King. I would like to give you the kind of gig that he has. Wow. Because I think you can do that. Well, I went so far as to allow Marty Rubenstein to put me on a national radio hookup. It was sponsored by Purex, and it was on a Sunday night. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, Marty said, let me know if you want this, what he called a gig. If you want this gig, Mm -hmm. you can have it. Mm -hmm. And I was faced with a tremendous dilemma because I would have, first of all, had to have disbanded focus on the family, mm. which by that point was on four or 500 stations and growing like topsy. Um, there were a few years there where we tripled in size. Incredible. And all of that would have had to have gone away. And I would have then been involved practically every week of the year in uh, radio. And what does that mean for my family? Exactly. You know, we like to ski together. Does that mean we're not going to be able to go skiing? Does that mean that uh, I would spend less time with Shirley? Uh, You know, there was glamour and glitz associated with this. And there was money, a lot of money associated with it. Um, But is that what's calling me? Is that what I ought to do? Well, and I, to answer your own question with one of your own resources, I think back just a few years earlier, the Focus on the Family film series comes out. Yeah. And, and it would it'd almost be like you would be disbanding all of that, saying, well, that really didn't matter. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, of course, obviously it did matter. It was your, you, you gave up your very prestigious career uh, at the hospital to say, I'm going to stick my neck out, take a step out in faith for Focus well, on the Family. that film series was seen by 83 million people, so... Uh, I was walking away from that in a sense, too, and speaking at churches and other things. It would have just completely redesigned my life and my family. And Shirley and I prayed about it, and I turned it down. And looking back on it now, that was an enticing offer, but it was a turn in the road that I wasn't prepared to take. And I said no.
I hope you've enjoyed getting to know more about Dr. James Dobson and how he got to where he is today on this special edition of Family Talk. Now, in case you missed the first part of the conversation that we aired on yesterday's broadcast, be sure to head over to drjamesdobson.org and hit the broadcast page. Again, drjamesdobson.org. Click on that tab that says Broadcast. We here at Family Talk care deeply about you and your family, and we want to comfort you through life's tough times. If you're dealing with a rebellious child or you and your spouse are just really struggling to connect, we want to help. Simply go to drjamesdobson.org and click onto the Resources button. You can look through our massive library of articles and books, DVDs, free downloads, and more, all dedicated to issues facing the family. You'll find all of these resources under our Resources tab at drjamesdobson.org. We also have a dedicated customer service team that would love to pray with you and, and talk with you if that's what you need. You can call us toll-free at 877-732-6825, and one of our trained representatives will be happy to speak with you. Again, that toll-free number is 877-732-6825. Finally, won't you consider blessing Family Talk with your tax-deductible financial contribution today? We are a listener-supported ministry. We rely on you for our well-being. So if you're able to help us continue in the mission to which the Lord has called us, we'd appreciate hearing from you. You can give a tax-deductible gift online through our secure website at drjamesdobson.org. You can make a secure donation over the phone as well by calling toll-free 877-732-6825. Again, the number to call if you have a tax-deductible donation to make to Family Talk today. You can call 877-732-6825. I'm Roger Marsh. Thanks so much for listening to today's program, and be sure to come back again Monday for an all-new program featuring nationally syndicated radio talk show host, Dennis Prager. That's coming up next time on Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. Family Talk is not associated with Focus on the Family.